worried. Everything has changed so quickly. It feels as though, in fact, the whole world has changed. Hard to know how to keep up. Hard to know how to make a new plan. How long will that even last? I felt excitement as well in the midst of it. I felt, well, maybe God is doing something. Maybe there's a move of His Spirit that in our earth, He wants to do something profound, something that He couldn't do without a coronavirus. I felt fear. I felt uncertainty. Are we doing the right thing? Fear of not getting this online thing right. Fear of not serving you as a church community right. Fear of failure. Fear of missing the opportunity God's got. And underneath all of that, a thousand different thoughts running through my mind, pretty much constantly. And I just need to get some of them out for you this morning. They won't be long and complicated points, and this will probably be one of my shortest ever sermons. And I'm going to choose to believe there are no signs of relief online right now because of that fact. But I do have a few reflections that I want to share with you. Four, mainly. That I've got no idea how to pastor in a pandemic, but that's okay because I'm not alone and there's lots of help. Two, I reflect that people are aching for belonging that will not let them down. The coronavirus has made isolated people feel more isolated. It's made, made even moderately okay people feel threatened. And many people I speak to know something is up, that their world as they know it is being shaken. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, I belong to and carry a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that's something people want to deeply belong to, to God and to ourselves. Business as usual will not cut it during the coronavirus. That's been my third reflection. As I've been thinking through how church is done, I as a pastor love events and programs. They often make me feel productive and busy. But when those disappear, when church's normals disappear, not because you've changed the strategy, but because they've been taken from you, stripped away, then what is the heart of the church that you are part of? I mean, reinventing Sundays takes work, it's worth it, but it could overwhelm everything. We could spend each week just getting Sunday better and better and better, and I could spend more time on live streaming than on deepening relationship, connecting us as Wellspring together so that we make the most of this opportunity. It's confronting that realization, just change that product delivery mindset from a Sunday gathering right here to a Sunday gathering out there. But on the other hand, I believe God is a sovereign God. So who's been doing the stripping away? He's been doing the stripping away. So what's he got in store? That's exciting. My last of a thousand reflections going through my head has been this. We've got to pray more. And I don't mean that in a, oh, I don't think God loves me as much because I don't pray as much. It's not about feeling guilt. It's just the depths or the shallows of our prayer lives are exposed when prayer is all we have. Crying out to God for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Contending for the promises of scripture, interceding for our city, interceding for our nation. I mean, I'm left humbled 
by the absence of that in so much of my prayer life, in our prayer life. To be honest, I want to go through each of those in detail and tell you more. I'd like to tell you more in the coming weeks because this is such a crucial time for us to rise up as a church and contend with the new normal. But I have had an enduring reflection. I've been talking over recent days about contagious hope. That is, hope that catches, catches on. When I think of that word hope, as a follower of Jesus, I actually have to re-engineer the directional pull of that word. When hope is usually wishful and pulling me upward. You know, I hope to go to city. You know, my eyes often, you know, I look upward at that point. I think, oh yeah, that's a plan that's coming. I hope that we can uh, have a great time with our kids if we are self-isolate. That's a, that's a hopeful, wishful, maybe even wishful thinking kind of idea of what the next steps are like. But it's all pushing me forward. Scriptural hope, though it does have a future element, has a different directional pull. The Bible tells us it's actually more like an anchor with a downward pull. I get that from Hebrews 6. Verses 18 to 19. I'll just read that out for us. And if you have your Bibles, feel free to have a look at yourself. Hebrews 6. It's talking about the work of uh, God to not lie. And he says, verse 19, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. Now that's not wishful thinking, that's certain hope. And that soul anchoring hope is so needed for me, probably for you, as we have a thousand different emotions and thoughts running through heads and hearts. And it's the kind of hope that does stand out. We might say it's contagious. People are longing to catch on to, at the moment in particular, the difference Jesus makes. And this cultural moment inclines people to notice the difference Jesus makes. This really matters, I think, as someone said to me recently, the church is always remembered for how they treat people in a crisis, for better and for worse. That, that moment, if you just ask a non-believer, and maybe you're watching today, that moment where you ask them, what, is the, what have the Christians done for you? And whatever floats to the surface for them is going to be the sum total of our faith, not our sermons and not our gatherings. But did these people love me? Did these people help me when I needed help? Did these people back up words of hope with deeds of hope? And all of that, I think, means we have to define our terms. What do we mean by hope? It's a nice concept, It might even look good on an Instagram post. Hope in this midst of a coronavirus. What is it? What's its content? I'm going to get us to Hebrews 10 now and stop at various points in the passage. To some degree, I just want to let God speak for himself to proclaim and and speak these words over you today. Verse 19 of Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, well, actually, no, I should stop there, because therefore is always hearkening back to something in the Scriptures, what's just gone before. Let's have a look at what's just gone before. 
It's all about how Jesus has a once-for-all sacrifice. And it says, verse 17, because of that sacrifice, the offering that he has perfected for those who are sanctified, verse 17, verse chapter 10, God says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, that is the sins and lawless acts, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. So all that the writer is about to come and say is based upon the Jesus work. He is God's son. He is God's priest. He is God's sacrifice. So anything you hear in this section, please base it upon Jesus. Verses 19 to 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we're stopping mid-sentence. It's just amazing. There's a lot in this. The idea that we could enter... The sanctuary is also translated the most holy place. The place where God's people knew God said he would come and meet with one person once a year, a high priest, the best high priest, after a series of cleansing rituals, that we can enter it boldly. You hear that? Confidently. I love this quote from uh, Peter Adam, my old Bible college principal. He wrote a wonderful commentary on Hebrews. He said this, this tells us we are not under the old covenant, but the new covenant. We have the freedom to be who we really are, say anything we want and still be in God's presence. We have boldness to enter. Listen to how present these verbs are. It's not just that we have to wait for it or anything else has to come so we can get to that boldness and confidence. We just enter. We enter because of a torn body. As this passage says, a curtain. If you know your Gospels, Mark 15, when Jesus dies, the temple curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. It was a beautiful symbol of access. It wasn't possible before God's people because of their sin, couldn't enter that most holy place. Now, because of Jesus and his torn body, the temple gets torn, and they now be able to get into his presence, full and free access. Peter Adam also says, there is a double blessing for the believer. We have boldness to approach, and we have a great high priest who lives to intercede for us, it says, elsewhere and I love that this is the plain fact whether we like it or not I think a lot of us at the moment as believers might be feeling kowtowed by or daunted by the reality the new normal but the status that you have according to Hebrews 10 is you are bold and you can be assured going into the presence of God you will be met you will be heard through Jesus We go on, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. This is the first of four 
let us statements in this passage. And it's kind of important that we see all of the privileges that we've just articulated from verses 19 to 21. Those are all wonderful privileges. And now we have responsibilities. Or we might want to put it this way. Because we are, now we do. Because we are, now we do these things. Drawing near, verse 23. Holding on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who was promised is faithful. There's that word, hope. We hold on unwaveringly. Other translations say unswervingly. Verse 24. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other And all the more as you see the day approaching. Kind of funny that we have this verse, but very apt on a day like today. Let's not give up on the habit of meeting together. Meeting together in this new season is going to look different than the empty chairs that I see in front of me. But let's not give up on the habit The early church knew what it was like to gather in small groups. They couldn't gather often in larger groups for fear of persecution. Today, that reality happens around the world. Nothing like an auditorium full, but house churches full the brim with passion to provoke, spur one another on to love and good deeds. I ask, in the midst of coronavirus, how could this hope catch on? Well, how could it not, really? Can you imagine, verse 18, a fully forgiven church being able to forgive the inconveniences, the slights, the the out-and-out rudeness of strangers? I've encountered it, you've probably encountered it, people always on edge, people fearing, and what it could be for us to be a fully forgiven, fully forgiving people of God. We'll stand out. That'll catch on. Can you imagine verses 19 to 21? A bold church praying bold prayers, living out their full access to the presence of God. Because that's where Jesus went ahead of us. Full access to the presence of God. Can you imagine verse 22? An at-peace church with full assurance and no fear. Freed up to serve rather than to be served. Freed up to sacrifice rather than to insist on our rights. Verse 23, can you imagine a church's unwavering commitment to hope based on God's unwavering commitment to his people and his promises? Can you imagine verses 24 to 25? A large church like ours split into micro churches, like the one that you are in right now, deciding not to give up on meeting by pressing into deeper community, pressing into more belonging, pressing into greater good works, pressing into greater intimacy with each other and with God. That kind of hope is contagious. That kind of hope could catch on. There's so much more we could say, and I'll try to say more in the coming weeks. Hope is going to be our consistent theme for some time across the parish in our four congregations. But I want to end it this way. This is going to be Maybe awkward for you at home, and you might not feel like it's like the same being with your brothers and sisters in this large room here. But we have a God who is active and 
alive. And through his word, he's been doing stuff. And you've heard me say this so many times. If the word of God has been active and alive, the Holy Spirit has been piercing you to the core. We don't stop attending to that just because we're dispersed. And so I want to invite you, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, that you follow my lead, that you have a chance to stand if you're sitting, and that you hold out these hands to receive from God at this point in time. This is a unique moment, and we need the Spirit to be powerfully at work. It might be awkward, it might feel awkward to start with, but know that you're, you have brothers and sisters around you doing exactly the same thing. We are seeking God's tangible presence and leading. You know, last week I preached on being free and the kingdom of God being one of freedom. And I feel compelled that we carry that on, that liberty and declaring that freedom that we have through Jesus. So we're going to end it this way. If you put out your hands and I'll pray. And I encourage you to have an attitude of receiving now. Come Holy Spirit. Free those in captivity to fear. Free us from indecision and paralysis in the midst of this coronavirus. Free us to serve. Free us to pray fervently, frequently. Free us with words and deeds of hope. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for appropriating the hope of Jesus to our hearts. We know what it's like to have full access as sons and daughters. We know what it's like to be able to come boldly into your presence through the blood of Jesus. We know what it's like to have an evil conscience sprinkled clean. So many do not. Let your church rise up, stand up, and in this moment declare the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope the world can have in Jesus. For some of us here today, we feel we've been stripped of the familiar. For some of us here this morning, we feel we don't know our bearings. Holy Spirit, You are our comforter. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who points us to Jesus. You are the one who speaks. Do all of those things and more in the coming moments, in the coming days and weeks and months. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, we're going to invite the band forward now, singing our next song, You Alone Can Rescue. I'm sure that by now the chat function has provided some form of lyric. Thank you, team.